Our second reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke in the 24th chapter, verses 13 through 35, and can be found on page 90 of the New Testament portion of your pew Bible. Let us continue to listen to God's word to us this day. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, what things? They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of the group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find the body there, they came back and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to where they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures for us? That same hour they got up, and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he's appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, for our younger listeners today and for those who find it helpful to have something to listen for, I'll give you three things. The first, who do these guys meet on the road to Emmaus? The second, what does Jesus tell us to do? And the third, how many times do I say good news? So three things to be listening for. Well, as you might have noticed, the decorations are all down. Everyone's gone back to school. Everything is ordinary again, and Easter feels like just last week's story. But there is so much to that story, so many perspectives to hear it from, so many people to experience it, so many questions to be asked, and notes to be compared among disciples. 
So don't think that just because things are looking like they've gotten back to normal around here, we're letting the story go so quickly. At the end of my sermon last week, I said, after the celebration is over, when you've eaten your share of the ham, which I'm guessing you ate, and the hard-boiled eggs and the chocolate bunnies. Does anybody have a chocolate bunny left? Oh, we got a few. I don't. Mine are gone. Mine are all gone. Anyway, after you do all those things, I hope you'll put your walking shoes on because Jesus' journey did not end at the cross and our path to the good news of Easter morning doesn't end there either. It keeps going. And so now we find ourselves walking down this road to Emmaus. This is a story that many of us know quite well. You may recall last Sunday we read in the Gospel of Luke that it was the women who came to the tomb where Jesus had been laid. There they expect to find Jesus' body, but instead they find two men in dazzling clothes who explain to them that Jesus is risen just as he said he would be. And in that explanation they remembered Jesus' words and so returned to the eleven and all the rest to tell them what had happened. And do they believe the women? No. They take their words as an idle tale. Only Peter gets up to run to the tomb to see for himself what has happened. Jesus' followers are too bogged down in grief and fear to hear a word of good news. It's here that our story for today picks up with these two followers of Jesus walking this long walk to Emmaus and talking about all that has happened. It's here that they encounter a man who seems to know nothing about what is going on. So they try to catch him up. They cover the surface level details of what's been happening when this man, this strange man, turns their story around on them and begins to interpret the things about Jesus in all the scriptures. Now, we as readers know that this man is Jesus, and so we can understand why he knows so much. But those who are walking along with him, minding their own business, didn't know. They had no idea who this man could be, and yet he was compelling enough for them to listen to intently and to invite into their home to stay the night. They must have wanted to hear more and to offer their hospitality in return for this moment that they've experienced. A few years ago, a youth in my last church recommended to me the book The Road to Character by David Brooks, who's a columnist for the New York Times, teaches at Yale, and appears on many television and radio shows. And I have a practice that if a young person recommends a book to me, I read it. Well, this book is about the difference between people who are driven almost exclusively by ambition, career, and external forces, and the people who are driven more internally by the desire to not only do good, but to be good. These things are not necessarily mutually exclusive, but he argues that our current society is driving that first personality type further to the extreme, and that we all need to do the work of building character in our own lives to stop this trend. He believes it starts with understanding and practicing humility. Brooks has studied people who live this way of practicing humility, and he says they had to descend into the valley of humility to climb to the heights of character. 
As I began reading this part of the book, I understood why this youth thought I might be interested in it and how she connected it to our life of faith. Listen to his words. In the Valley of Humility, these people that Brooks has been talking about have learned to quiet the self. Only by quieting the selves could they see the world clearly. Only by quieting the self could they understand other people and accept what they are offering. When they had quieted themselves, they had opened up space for grace to flood in. They found themselves helped by the people they did not expect would help them. They found themselves understood and cared for by others in ways they did not imagine beforehand. They found themselves loved in ways they did not deserve. They didn't have to flail about because hands were holding them up. This book is by no means a Christian exposition on the world, but doesn't that kind of sound like a summary of the followers who get it? The experiences we have when we intentionally live a life of faith and the gift of the sacraments that we receive? It wasn't until those guys on the road to Emmaus quieted down that they could hear the truth about Jesus who was standing right in front of them. Whatever Jesus was saying to them, and I wish we could know that part too, but whatever he was saying opened their ears and their minds. They heard the gospel message, perhaps in a brand new way. They experienced a tangible gift of being taught what they needed to know, being offered grace and love in the process. Their hearts, we learn, were burning within them, the most powerful and positive of things to experience. Transformation happened when they opened themselves to it and leaned into it. And not only that, but when they invite this man in and give him the gift of their thankfulness and hospitality, he breaks bread with them and their eyes are opened. Their ears and their minds and their hearts have been opened and now their eyes are open and they recognize him. They recognize the risen Christ right in front of them, something they never dreamed was possible. Well, friends, we're not so different from the disciples. We need tangible reminders of God's grace and presence in our lives. And so we follow the model of how Jesus interacted with his disciples and with his other followers. Jesus gathered with his disciples, broke bread and poured wine, saying to them, this is my body given for you. Do this, remembering me. It was in this meal on Easter night that the apostles' eyes were opened and they saw Jesus. That's when they recognized why their hearts were burning within them. That's when they realized why they were riveted to this man's words as they walked that long walk. That's why they turned around and walked the long walk back to the other disciples to share the good news, to bring comfort to the morning, to share what can happen when you approach others with a stance of humility and willingness to be open. So please, when your heart is burning within you, tell someone about it. When your eyes have been opened, don't keep that to yourself. When you sit with someone who is experiencing the vulnerability and that comes with grief or loss or transformation, hold that space with them. 
For that's what Jesus does. It's what Jesus asks us to do. So let's keep walking, not because we're trying to burn off all those extra calories we ate last week, but because we want to be people in search of Jesus and in search of people to share this story of good news with. May you find quiet. May your eyes be opened. And may you recognize Jesus in your very midst. Alleluia and amen.